Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. This is Impact Cyber Church, and here we go. Man, we're going to church today, and you're going to church with people all over the world, people who are plugging into what Jesus really did for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. Today, we're going to talk about one of the topics I just love so much. We're going to be talking about the finished work of Jesus. And don't assume that you know what I'm talking about because this is something around which so many people get confused. So many people don't understand. And I've gotten emails and questions, how could it be a finished work if we're not experiencing it already? And I'm going to help you understand today and help you protect your faith. Because see, remember, we're talking about the war for your faith. We're talking about this battle that's going on for your faith. And I'm going to show you how new covenant faith works on the base of a finished work. And I'm going to tell you something, faith is going to start getting easier for you. And maybe I'll get a chance to give you some exercises you can do to move yourself into a new realm. Listen, I'll be back in just a second. Don't go away. I got a great free download for you this month. It's my personal exercises for operating miraculous faith. These are exercises that I developed over the last 40 years that have made it possible for me to win against insurmountable odds. All right. All this month, we're talking about winning the war for your faith. Because a lot of people are like, what do you mean winning the war for my faith? What are you talking about? See, I'm not just talking about the faith to get things from God. I'm talking about winning the war for your faith. I'm telling you, you are being assaulted through every avenue of life, through media, through television, through the internet. I am telling you, every aspect of your senses are being assaulted, convincing you that you can't trust God, that God is not real. And you know, a lot of believers that sit there and say, oh, I know God is real. I don't have trouble with that. Let me tell you something. Knowing God is real and knowing how to experience God in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your tragedy, in the middle of your whatever your emergency situation is, that's two different things. I want to help you come to a place. I want to bring you to a place through the Word of God where your faith Faith absolutely works. It stands. It's good. Remember, everything we have with God is a matter of faith. You know, we get saved by faith. We get healed by faith. We walk by faith. We stand by faith. You know, all that we do, we do by faith. But the problem is we have a basic misunderstanding of what the Bible is talking about when it talks about faith. You know, I told you last week, if you watched the program, and if you didn't, you need to go back and watch it, that faith starts not with trying to believe some promise of God, but in believing and trusting the nature of God. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it says, because you've got to believe, first, that God is. Of course, that means He is who He says He is. And that also, He is a rewarder. And you see, most people, even if they believe that God is, they don't see God as a rewarder. They see God as a rewarder if they do religious, legalistic works and do things to kind of pay debt or, or servitude to God. But they don't recognize that God is a life giver. Everything that God does, He does in a way 
that if we trust Him and walk with Him, we are in this vein where life gets better, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Inwardly, we get more and more peace. We get healthier, we get happier, we get more peace in life. I'm not saying nothing will ever go wrong, but I am just saying that we connect to God and we participate in who He is. But our basic understanding of faith comes primarily because of our ignorance about the covenant. Now, the children of Israel could never find a place of rest. And in the King James, it says something like this in the book of Hebrews in the third and fourth chapters. God said, so I swore to them in my wrath that they could never enter into my rest. Now, if you just stop right there, you say, oh, see, God was so mad at them, he was never going to let them enter the promised land. But then it goes on to say they couldn't enter in because of their unbelief. It wasn't because God was so angry with them that he was out of control and said, that's it, I am done with you. You're never entering in. You know what he was angry about? He was angry about the fact that he provided a promised lamb. He was angry about the fact that he had made great and precious promises to them. That if they had just trusted him, they could have had the fat of the land, man. They could have had the life that every nation in the world at that time was attempting to take hold of. But they didn't trust him, and it, it cost them dearly, but it cost the whole world dearly because of people watching them and people not being able to see who God was through their nation. Let me tell you something. The psalmist says that the reason that they had all of these problems. I think it's over in Psalm 78. The reason they struggled with all of this was because their heart was not steadfast or it wasn't fixed in the covenant. They did not know the covenant of God. They did not know what God was offering them, you know, what God would do and what their part was. They did not understand it. As a matter of fact, when they had the opportunity to to see God face to face, just like Moses did, they said, no, Moses, you go and you come back and tell us. We don't want to go ourselves. And so instead of seeking God, people sought teachers and prophets and all these other people. I'm not saying God didn't use teachers and prophets, but I'm saying no man sought God for himself. I want to tell you something. It's that way today. You know, you go any church, and they talk about faith, but that doesn't mean they mean that when they say faith, they have the same definition that the Bible has. It doesn't mean they're talking about the same thing that we're talking about. Here's the biggest issue. See, we have a new covenant now, and our problem is we are not steadfast. Our heart is not fixed and stable in this new covenant. I've told you this over and over again. You go to Isaiah 54, you see that the covenant that God made is not with us as individuals. He made a covenant with Jesus and he called it a covenant of peace. And you know, when Jesus hung on the cross, God poured all of his wrath out on him. And there's people denying that today. There's people that don't want to believe that because they've got humanistic philosophies instead of scriptures that they look at. The light that's in them is darkness. They think they have revelation on the scripture, but they're interpreting scripture independent of the scripture, independent of the whole counsel of God. Well, the real truth is Jesus became our sin. God poured all the wrath that we deserved on him, but he continued to to believe God. See, he did what the children of Israel never did. He did what no one else did. He continued to trust God through it all, and he obtained by his faith the inheritance. And because we are in him, we share in everything that he has received. But our problem is we approach faith based more on old covenant principles than on 
new covenant principles. Now, under the old covenant, when people came to God, when people prayed, when people were seeking God, basically they were coming to God and seeking Him to see if they met the qualifications for whatever that promise was, because all the promises under the old covenant, they had certain requirements that had to be made. They had certain conditions. And, you know, in the New Testament, we have some conditions, but we don't understand what those conditions are because we take old covenant conditions and bring them into the new covenant and totally ignore what Jesus did. So under the old covenant, Prayer and faith was seeking God to try to get Him to respond to you and to give you something. Under the new covenant, Jesus has done everything. That's why it's called a finished work. Jesus has done a finished work. Jesus has purchased for us everything we're ever going to get. There's nothing else that we're ever going to get. Jesus is never going to go die for something else. Jesus is never going to go fight this battle for something else. In Him, we have all of the inheritance. We have all of the promises. We have freedom from all the curses. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness. But the problem is, instead of going to God from a perspective that says, this is the covenant This is what you have given to Jesus. I am in him, so I call this mine. See, we don't do that. We go and say, are you going to give me healing? Are you going to give me prosperity? Are you going to give me peace? So the problem then is that really what we're calling faith is really not faith at all. It's really not trust in what Jesus has done. Instead, it's a denial of the finished work of Jesus. Mark eleven twenty four 24 is a real interesting scripture. Let's move beyond space and time for a minute. Let's get out of our intellectual head and step into some eternity. You know, Jesus was speaking. This is after he taught him about faith and speaking, you know, to the mountain, telling the mountain to move. And then he says in Mark 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, first of all, let me address this. The word prayer or pray, when you used in a New Testament, a New Covenant concept, in the original language, is not an asking for something that you don't really know the answer to. It's the asking with the anticipation and the expectation of what the answer is. It's like a child playing out on a hot day that comes in their house and says, Mama, can I have a drink? You know, of course Mama's going to give them a drink. That's just part of the provision. That's just part of what Mama provides. They're not coming there and begging for water. And see, we come to God as if we've got to beg for Him to give us what, in fact, He has already given to Jesus. Therefore, it is ours because we're in Jesus. And so when we're praying, we should always know this is in the covenant, and I'm talking to God about this because I'm really not talking about God about, will you give me this? I'm talking to God about the fact that I believe that this is mine. I believe that he has given this to Jesus. I believe I'm in Jesus. I believe I share it. Listen, I'll be back in just a minute. You don't want to go away. We're going to give you something dynamic.
This month, I've got one of my favorite series for you, Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith. And what you're going to discover is that true science does not violate faith. The Word of God operates in exact accord with all of the laws of physics, and knowing these things helps us come to trust God, our Creator, even more. Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith is an eight-message series that is going to be radically life-changing for you. All right, we're talking about Mark eleven twenty four, 24, where Jesus was teaching about faith, and then he tied it into the whole concept of prayer. And, you know, we've already discovered that Jesus said that when you pray, and, and prayer is not trying to get something you don't have. It's coming to God with the expectation and the understanding that it is freely given to you. You know, really what we're seeking when we come to God is wisdom about how to walk in this, wisdom about how to apply this, wisdom about how to participate in this. And then he says that whatever you ask in prayer, if you believe that you receive, you will receive. Now, what's interesting, if you look up this phrase, if you believe that you receive them, you will have them. Actually, the tenses in this says you have to believe that you already receive them. Now, see, that just doesn't make any sense to us. And unless we can get into the fact that God's eternal, He exists outside of the realm of time, we just can't even understand how all of this works. But where did I receive it? What do you mean? If I'm asking for something in prayer, well, if I had it, I wouldn't be asking for it. Well, see, that's because prayer is not asking to try to get it. Prayer is this dialogue you're having with God about the fact that you already have received it in the Lord Jesus. When you believe that the promise of God has already been provided for you past tense, then it will come into manifestation in your life. See, we try to understand God within the boundaries of time and space. We try to understand God within the limitations of our own intellectual mind, and therefore, we don't understand the finished work of Jesus. Now, the finished work of Jesus is this. His part is finished. Our part is not. His part was finished from the foundation of the world in a, an eternal sense. Now, we got to come to this place where we understand once for all, there is nothing left for him to do. If I am asking Jesus to get healing for me, then I am denying that he already got healing for me. If I'm asking Jesus to get peace for me, I am denying that he already got peace for me. Most of what we call prayers of faith are prayers of unbelief. We announce our unbelief and expect God to respond positively to our unbelief when in fact the only thing that he asks us to do is just what to say, trust what I've done for you. Trust who I am. You know, Hebrews 10.10 10 says, it's talking about these sacrifices that were offered, you know, time after time under the old covenant, and they never did anything. And then it says, but then it talks about this sacrifice that Jesus made. And then it says, by that will, and talking about the new last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Now, many people jump out of that and say, okay, once for all. And so, okay, if sanctification has been paid for once for all, then everybody is already sanctified. Well, no, that's really not what it says. That phrase, once for all, in the original language really means on one occasion. In other words, by one action, Jesus provided this and made this available to everyone. It doesn't mean that everyone 
already has it. Now, there's something, again, that we don't understand, and it's the concept of reconciliation. The ministry that we have as New Testament preachers is all about reconciliation. Now, the word reconciliation means to exchange. And when you get into the concept of exchange, you're actually getting into this arena of put off, put on. And I'm telling you this, I'll tell you this week after week after week after week. You can run to altar calls all you want to. I'm not saying God won't touch you. I'm not saying things won't happen. But I'm telling you, when it comes to personal transformation... When it comes to you stepping into who you are in Jesus and really connecting with God personally, the only biblical process for a new covenant disciple of the Lord Jesus to experience transformation is put off the old man, renew the mind, put on the new man. Well, that's what the ministry of reconciliation is about. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 talks about how that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, or you might say the ministry of exchange. Now, the ministry of exchange says this, and this gets into the meaning of the word reconciliation. So reconciliation is where you pay something of equal value for what you want. In other words, if I want a car and that car is worth $3,000, what I give is the $3,000 to purchase the car. That's my part of the exchange. And I consider that car is worth $3,000. And then if you accept that, then you give me the car. Now, God paid for us exactly what he thought we were worth, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, many people kind of take this concept. If Jesus has already done it, then everybody is saved and they don't know it. Everybody's healed and they don't know it. Well, no, that is just absolutely not true. Everybody has the potential for all of those things because he has done his part. But in a reconciliation, there are two people that have to interact. So he says, God's given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself or exchanging the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, if all of this was automatic, there would be no ministry of reconciliation. Well, the ministry of reconciliation, when I minister to somebody, it's going to be like, you know what? Jesus has given you a new identity, so you need to put off any concept of who you are outside of Jesus. And Jesus has given you these promises. You need to put off any belief or any concept of you without these promises. And then you've got to renew your mind so that you think based on what the Word of God says, but also based on what God has written in your spirit, in the deepest part of your being, so that you have harmony within. But that's when faith comes alive, is when you have this harmony within, where you got the Word of God, and it is written in the deepest part of your being. you got the Word of God in your mind, and it aligns with the Word of God here. I'm telling you, when you have the Word of God in all three of those places, harmoniously, And then you put that word of God in your mouth. I'm telling you what is liquid power. But we have this ministry of reconciliation. Man, every preacher, every Christian, our witness should not be, yang, 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 this is what's wrong with you. Our witness should be, let me tell you what you already have in Jesus. You don't have to work this up. You don't have to have enough faith to get this. He had enough faith to get this. All you got to do is decide whether or not you're going to trust what he did and trust the fact that because you're in him, you share in this inheritance. See, we've got to enter into this exchange. Paul goes on down in verse 20. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God... 
God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be exchanged or be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin. And what is sin? To be anything less than God says you are. What is sin? To think that you're less than God says you are. To feel that you're less than God says you are. To see yourself or others as less than God says they are. He made him who never saw himself as less than God said he was to become that that we might become the righteousness as it should be, as we should be, of God and Him. Man, listen, we got to encourage people to receive. we got to encourage people to believe and accept what Jesus has already given Him because He has provided a finished work. His work is finished. Our faith is about what has already been given to us, not what will be given to us. See, Maybe the confusion comes when we read the word receive. Because the word receive, we really have given it an unscriptural concept. We have this idea of receiving being passive. So if receiving is passive, then this means I'm always waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to do this. Well, here I am. I, you know, I got my spiritual catcher's mitt on. God, come on, throw me my blessing. I'm just standing here. And if you'll just get on with it, say, I'm doing my part, God, but you're not doing your part. No. The word receive is not a passive word. I've shared this with you many times. The word receive comes from the word lambano, which means to take hold of something and bring it unto yourself. We do that by faith. Not the kind of faith where I'm trying to make God do something, but the kind of faith that says, I'm going to convince my heart of this truth, that it is absolutely true, that God's absolutely trustworthy. And I take hold of it by believing it. And whether it's my born-again experience, whether it's my healing, whether it's my prosperity, whether it's my deliverance from trouble, I take hold of it when I believe it. And I make it mine. I bring it unto myself. And when I do that, then that promise that has already been given to me, that is already mine in Jesus, I now enter into the exchange. I now enter into the reconciliation. I now enter into the put-on phase. See, the put-off phase is when I say, you know something, all these curses I'm delivered from. I'm in Jesus. They have no right on me. I'm, I'm not living in this. But the put-on phase is where I persuade my heart, where I meditate, where I see myself, where I ponder and consider and reflect on what's already mine in Jesus. And I'll tell you something, when this happens, nothing, absolutely, Nothing can keep it from manifesting in your life other than if you change your mind, other than if you begin to waver. And you know, i got all kinds of teachings about how not to waver. And of course, we've got a heart physics program, which every believer should do. We've got a heart physics program that I'm telling you will get you to the place where you'll always experience Christ in you. But today we're just talking about how to operate faith. What is real faith about? What is new covenant faith about? New covenant faith Starts with trusting the character and the nature of God. That's where you've always got to start. New covenant of faith is trusting what has been done through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus and choosing to accept that truth as my reality and then choosing to put that truth on, to make it mine, to actuate it, to bring it to life in my own heart because I become fully persuaded that this is mine. This is not just mine. This is who I am. Man, I'm telling you what, it's so wonderful to never have to come to God to try to find out what He will do for me. All I've got to do is open the pages of my Bible. And see, this goes back to what I said last week. 
If you abandon the word, then you will never have a basis for what Jesus has already done for you. As a matter of fact, you'll start dreaming up things that he didn't do that has nothing to do with him. And you'll try to have faith in things that have nothing to do with the covenant, nothing to do with Jesus. I want to tell you something. This lie can be so easy. It can be easy and light, just like Jesus promised. I'll be right back in my mentoring moment. Don't go away. Be sure and get this month's special offer, Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith. I am telling you, it's going to bring science and the Word of God in alignment with your heart for incredible faith. I want to invite you to World Changer Weekend, July the 15th, 16th, and 17th. This is an annual event that we host to say thank you to all of our world changers, to all of the people that help us take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Listen, there's going to be several speakers, people that are making this journey and making it work in their life. There's going to be incredible praise and worship. We always have some of the best praise and worship. I'm going to invite some of our early church members and ministry team members in, and they're going to be here and be a part of things. And I'm telling you, it is going to be an incredible celebration. You do not want to miss it. But here's the deal. We only have a certain amount of space, very limited space. So there is no registration fee to attend. But if you want to attend the event of the year, you got to go to our online registration form, fill it out, let us know. We'll save you a place. For your mentoring moment, I just want to recap some things and talk about how to put these into practice. When you get ready to pray, when you're addressing a need anywhere, I encourage you to find any scripture in the Bible or where God promises that to anybody or the promises that it's yours through the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember, 2 Corinthians 1.20, it doesn't matter who God promised something to. If you're in Christ, that promise is good for you. So first, you make sure that you know that it's already given in Jesus. And you know what? I would recommend that you pray, you meditate, you worship. And if you can confess, again, this is one of those terms that people just immediately go back to the old legalistic way of doing things. But you know, many times I'd love to get maybe three or four or five or ten scriptures that tell me, what I have in Christ. And I like to just worship God with those acknowledge. Father, I thank you that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am healed. I think that healing is already mine. And I begin to take those scriptures and personalize them and put them in a conversational framework so that they make sense to me. But while I'm saying those, I'm acknowledging God, but I'm also trying to just feel and sense and imagine me living in it. So first and foremost, make sure that You already have it. You're never going to God trying to see if he'll give it to you, that you're going to God acknowledging what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you acknowledge what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, then if you were to break this down to just two phases, then at some point as you're acknowledging this, there's going to be a sense of it being a reality for you. And maybe as you're meditating and pondering, imagining yourself being healed or being blessed or being delivered from this situation, then the next thing you want to do is you want to go into gratitude. You want to go into that place where you feel the gratitude that you know you're going to feel the day that this thing is totally solved in your life. And you want to express that gratitude to God right in that moment. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, 
we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.